and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today, we watched Train to Busan, directed by Sang, Yo, uh, Sang Ho Yeon, starring Gong Yu and Suan Kim. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? Good. Enjoying Korean Cinema Month as we are coming close to the end. What a, what a more conventional film to uh, watch. And a popular one, actually. A lot of people yes. have talked to me about this film when I brought up the fact that we're doing Korean Cinema Month. So I'm excited to dive into it, even if we're a little late to the conversation. I think this is going to be a great episode to sort of have a retrospective on this film and at the same time compare it to some of the Korean cinema that made a global impact and reached it reached us over here in Western uh, Western markets. So yeah, I, I'm doing well, Cameron. I'm uh, pretty busy with my job. I'm I, I got to apologize for you visual uh watchers on youtube i'm wearing like these computer glasses i've just been staring at a computer screen like eight hours a day because of my new job just all on like a digital digital front for it so yeah i um i gotta wear the glasses because otherwise i'll get a little bit of a headache after a while and then like also after work i'm like dude i want to sit and watch and play video games and stuff so usually it's like exercise or something outdoor away from the screen playing guitar and things like that and then after i want to come back so i just figured it'd be smart to wear some glasses and who knows i look like a streamer you were making fun of me cameron <laughs> yeah you do um I, I mean i don't know i feel like i feel like our audience would would enjoy us playing video games and hanging out and talking that would be fun yeah, I'd like um, we'd like to do some more things, but it just seems like life keeps moving. <laughs> Shout out uh, to yeah. Darren who texted me just saying that uh, congrats on the new job to me. We appreciate you, Darren. He's one of our executive producers, um, and he was just saying he's impressed that we are even still doing this show. He doesn't believe it. So, um, <laughs> meanwhile, our other uh, producer Tim was saying how I posted the episode late. Uh, this <laughs> this last episode, I apologize. I posted on Tuesday. We're gonna post on Monday. Although I kind of have a sneaking suspicion, Cameron, Tuesday might be a better day for me. I don't know. Maybe we'll just keep pushing it back every six months or something. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. Well, but I mean, we did change from. Fridays. Uh, we yeah. used to post on Fridays. Although I do like Mondays as a, uh, I feel like that's a good day to post a podcast. Well, you know what I mean? I don't know what it is. Here's kind of my train of thought with it, right? Yeah. Cameron, you and I, like, we have an incredible show. I'm not going to deny that, all right? True. But I'm not saying that people think that our show is like the best podcast they listen to. I mean, come on. Mm. There's some top tier, like, posters. And all those top-tier podcasts post on Monday. So not only are we forcing ourselves to compete with the <laughs> largest, best podcasts, but it's kind of stupid of us to even consider going against them <laughs> on Monday. So I'm feeling like maybe Tuesday, not only would it be better for my new schedule, but uh, um, that might just be a better choice when other people are committed to other podcasts. Although I know we do have some super fans who would want it on Monday right away. Uh, Tim, well, Tim said he's going to, he's going to cancel our show if, if we don't post early on Monday. And I just laughed. I said, haha, sure. Well, let's, let's take a vote in the Patreon. Um, we'll, we'll open it up. Maybe we'll just open it up in general. So go sure, to our Patreon. Sure. Um, you don't have to be a patron. We'll put up a, a vote um, to see if you want it to be moved or if you're okay with it being moved to Tuesday. Um, and then, you know, uh, if we, uh, you know, if you do do a vote, um, 
I mean, I don't know. We, we might just change it anyways because uh, that's how we roll. So, <laughs> hey, we're we, pu- we're putting it together somehow. We're, we we're love democracy. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. We are definitely the dictators in in this content creation empire. So. Um, I will say on on that note. Similarly, um, I am not going to put up a poll for this month specifically because. I don't feel like there are enough movies necessarily in like the very specific topic that I chose um, <laughs> to justify a vote. So what we'll do is next month is horror month. Um, we'll we'll have a couple of um, votes for the month, and we'll, we're also planning to do more. Um, I don't want to announce it quite right uh, yet, but we're planning to do some more community minded thing so oh get ready yes. for that it's gonna am, be fun i'm so excited for it yeah we yeah. want to engage with you that support the show whether you a financial supporter at patreon.com slash ecfs productions you know throw a couple dollars away get exclusive benefits exclusive episodes all that stuff or you're a free supporter that gives us ratings tell friends and family this is like a weird hybrid pitch i don't know what's happening here but if you're a supporter we want to engage with you in october with horror month we're excited to announce a couple things maybe some live streams maybe some more voting opportunities or ways to get plugged in as a patreon uh cameron and i are thinking about this show in a growth manner because if we didn't we would just you know not water the plant at all and give up on it so i mean uh, to be fair let's let's be let's be clear here um there's uh, we we're only doing this uh for fun so uh true you know even if we i would still do this show even if it was just me and you hanging out every week like that's that's totally fine uh and yeah, the bring- fact that the <laughs> fact that we watch a movie and hang out and and get to talk every every week that's you know that's that's my goal but i do want to like do more things with the community cuz i think it would be fun to to sort of engage with with people more. And, you know, obviously we do have Juzo on, we do have, um, Tim on pretty often on the commentary. Um, so, you know, like I, I just want to, I want to be able to do more of that and, and sort of get more people involved. So, um, that's my thinking with it. So nothing to announce yet, but we will have things very soon. I mean, I'm excited for it, Cameron. I know I was listening to, uh, everything comes from something recently, just as sort of a, Hey, uh, I don't know, like a retrospective, I had a friend who messaged me and said, hey, thanks for helping my drive uh, to slow be much better, or Santa Barbara, he was going to, I'm sorry, I got all three of those wrong, San Diego, uh, my friend Bob, who's actually on on our podcast, uh, he, mm. he's going down to San Diego, and he was like, hey, I just listened to all those, some of those old episodes that you did with me, I was like, man, I kind of miss just sitting in front of a mic doing absolutely nothing with no topic, but you know, it it was not the most marketable. So who knows uh, if you want that to come back, you know, scream and shout, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah. So anyway, (laughs) anyways, we've been doing a uh, new section in this podcast called Cameron's hot takes. Cameron, I have a question, uh, related to cinema for you. Now you're familiar with this idea of spirit animals, right? Cameron? Yeah, of course. So if it if a animated It's kind of similar to like your Patronus, right? Like that's kind of the same vibe, same idea. I'm not sure what a Patronus is. Oh at right, all. yeah. You're so, not a Harry Potter person. Yeah, never mind. So. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what I was gonna say is if a animated film character could mm-hmm. be your spirit animal, who would your spirit animal be? Yeah, so I think I, f- I fl- uh flitter back and forth. I think um uh, my first thought was like the the red dude from 
Inside Out, the oh, anger dude, okay. um, which I, I feel on like a, a deep level sometimes. Uh, but I feel, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty chill dude, so I don't feel like I go rage mode all the time. I just like a- every time I open Twitter, <laughs> that's oh. who I am. Um, but uh, I think more seriously, I think I relate so heavily to um, – to Robin Hood from the 1973 Robin Hood movie. Um, I feel like he's he's like to- not not necessarily my s- spirit animal per se, but he's like the embodiment of what I want to be uh, at all mm. times. So, you know, I can yeah. I can actually kind of see that he's definitely got a swagger about him, and I think Cameron, you have a little bit of that in you. I I think that film in particular. I, it's just so heartwarming. I don't know. I yeah. love. I love that. Robin I love Hood that film. I love that movie. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, I would uh, say, it's probably one of my favorite Disney movies, actually. So no, I I totally I totally agree with you. Even though it's a complete communist film, so um, but we're we're not going to get into that. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> well, no, and and that's that's another thing that I would say is like he has like a carefree anarchism to him. Uh, which I feel like I have too. Okay, I, now I, you're you're really you're really starting to sound like a cinephile when you just <laughs> described Robin Hood, the animated film, as oh yeah, Robin Hood has whatever you just said, anarchical whatever. I said a carefree anarchism. I think oh. that's totally accurate. That's oh. super true. Well, I enjoy the film none- nonetheless, and the music in it is just epic. Amazing. I, w- I was gonna say for my answer, <laughs> just because this is a joke in my life right now, because I. Uh, I'm just in the professional space. Do you see this? I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> my Boss, baby. <laughs> I feel like my uh, my spirit animated. Is that character really right your wallpaper? Boss baby. I didn't I didn't change it. Juliana did, but I haven't changed it away yet. So um yeah, I feel like boss baby is mine. Uh yeah. I'm not entirely sure why, but that oh we're just gonna goodness. we're just gonna go with that. Cameron, I think it's time to get in to this film. Train to Busan, probably one of the most well-known Korean cinema films to general audiences, which has me excited to talk about it because I'm a total pleb when it comes to film knowledge and things like that. Cameron, give us some back backstory, background. Yeah, so um, this movie came out in 2016. It was kind of, um, I, I don't know, I mean, we're probably still in sort of a Korean moment in a lot of ways. I feel like Parasite, um, just being the last uh, one it doesn't necessarily mean that it's over, you know. But it, it, I think, I mean, Parasite might be just the last one. It's, it's hard to say. A twenty-year run of, of you know, great movies. It's, it's hard to kind of come back from that. But, um, Train to Busan obviously is a pretty high-budget um movie for, for you know, a Korean movie, um. And it made a ton of money at the box office, and that's actually what you know what you're saying was it. It's pretty well known, and I would say um, probably before Parasite, this was you know this topped Old Boy as being the you know the best known Korean movie uh, at the time. Um, although you know it, you know it didn't set necessarily insane records. Um, it definitely uh was very successful um and led to a sequel obviously but uh I, it wasn't like the top uh m- movie of all time in korea so um you know it 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 was insanely profitable um and a very 
good example of sort of the maybe more big budget ish uh, version of of Korean cinema. And um, I don't really know much about the director, actually. Uh, um, He's. I don't want to say he's a mystery, but I, I just haven't seen any of his uh, um, any of his other movies. So, you know, this was kind of a, a success. This was obviously a success for him. And he wanted, you know, he ended up directing the uh, the second um, the s- sequel to this movie called Peninsula. And um, yeah, that's that's basically all I know about him, actually. So uh, mm-hmm. sorry for uh, lack of context. This is actually my first time watching this movie. Um, and basically what I knew about it was that it was kind of a blockbuster style Hollywood style Korean movie. Um, and you know, that's kind of what it is. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically my intro. I don't have much else to say other than, um, it's pretty popular even in American markets for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to get into some impressions of the film Cameron, because it is your first viewing and mine as well. Um, I guess I'll I'll start. I I thought that this film was pretty good and really easy to watch and super easy to consume, which is I, I think makes it easy to understand why it found so much success. Mm. I thought it was kind of you know interesting. Very I I don't know. I was thinking a lot about like the the overdone zombie trend, right? Uh, and to think about it in context of 2016, right, with The Walking Dead coming out, what, 2012-ish? Was that 2011, right? I think. 2011, sometime yeah. around there. Uh, and then to see that popularity explode and make its way all the way to, you know, a foreign market where they're making movies and they're like, we're going to make a zombie movie, big budget, blockbuster style. Like, it, it's kind of, I, I think that's the, going to be the most fun part of this conversation is sort of cross analyzing how you know a korean film would tackle such a big budget movie and almost compare it to the way that western markets embrace that as well i was thinking a lot about world war z watching this movie which is Hmm. not a good film i think this movie (laughs) is much better than world war z um but yeah i i i found it quite easy to watch and actually one of the things that i noticed being a casual is how fun it is to watch an action movie that's foreign because action and movement and choreography take the forefront in an action film instead of the drama and the dialogue which is usually kind of a blocker when you're watching one of these movies with subtitles as a casual right i'm speaking as a casual i'm not saying it can't be done and enjoyed but that was actually something i noticed halfway through is that i forgot that it was in another language as a matter of fact i Hmm. found it pretty easy to follow what was happening like i i barely read the subtitles you know and i thought that was like such a neat breakthrough for me maybe it was because i have been watching you know heavier dialogue foreign films in some way maybe maybe a lot of it has to do with the way that you've been sort of preparing me to watch things but watching a film that was super approachable and action heavy it was like the words faded away and it was almost like the language barrier thing just didn't exist. And I feel like even if you don't have a lot of experience watching movies that are subtitled, this film is going to be easy to get through for you, which is, I I, honestly, I think it's one of the first films that I, I think that that barrier isn't a big block 
for someone, right? In yeah. watching in watching other foreign films. This could easily have to do with the fact that Cameron has been showing me more <laughs> movies that are in a different language, right? I, but, and I would say actually Mother is similar in that the visual storytelling is um is very uh evocative and you do I I mean for me I I guess I'm a little different but for me I uh, you know I don't even register that it's in a different language it's just yeah. like it's just given um I I do think old boy because you're trying to kind of follow the story and follow the mystery there is a little bit of more of a challenge so mm -hmm. um yeah I I think that's true but but I would say mother is very very similar um even though this movie is even more so because it's so visual and that's one of the things that I will say about it is like it, the visual storytelling in this movie is really, really excellently done. Yeah. Um, so. No, I, I hundred percent agree. I think that there were some moments in mother where I was like, wait, what are they saying? This seems like an important part. I remember that there's that moment where, um, the, you know, the girl who's murdered is in like the cell phone shop or something like that. And they're talking to the cell phone repair lady, with her friend that was involved in something. And that I, I remember in that scene, I was like, I literally can't follow. I have no idea. I had to like rewind and watch it again. Like, I know that sounds kind of pathetic, but I am, I, it's just not something I'm used to. Sometimes I like disengage and I'm not reading and on, yeah, on the, yeah. on the beat. And this film, I never felt like I had to do anything like that. It was pretty, pretty like, or not not a ton of dialogue and i think what was even more impressive is that the resolution and the ending of the movie had so much dramatic weight even though there was hardly any important dialogue moments well not not important but like long stretched out like explanation like it didn't need that stuff yeah. you know i felt emotionally moved by the end of the film not in a way that's like oh my goodness this is like this is just an incredible moment, but I was like, wow, this is actually kind of hitting me somehow. I, I'm not yeah. entirely sure how it's doing that when there's barely been any dialogue, it feels like, right? Um, so overall, I'm pretty positive about this film. Now, again, I, I think one aspect of this movie is comparing it to what Western markets did with zombie films, right? The other aspect that I found interesting that I want to dive into this this conversation with you about, Cameron is the comparison of this film's kind of stereotypical blockbuster structure to other Korean films that have sort of made a mark in a hipster originality style. Like, I, you know, like, like Mother and Old Boy are like infused with this kinetic creativity that this movie... It's like very, very familiar. <laughs> it's almost, yeah, yeah. it's almost like when I when I began watching it, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a zombie movie. Most of these characters I already know are gonna get it. Like it, it none of it surprised me basically. Um, but the way, yeah, and that I would say it's not even necessarily the structure. I think stylistically too, it's very ordinary um, and almost a little bit clean uh, in a in a way that. Um, I found a little uh, off-putting, I guess. Um, yeah. th this is my big, biggest criticism of the movie is that I think stylistically it's shot very dryly um, and shot mm. very sort of st in a standard kind of um, almost like flat look in a lot of ways, um, which I did. I 
I didn't love. Um, and there was never, there's only a couple moments in the movie where it's like, oh, wow, that's a really cool, interesting shot. Um, however, I don't necessarily think it needs it. But I would say, I, I will say one of the things that I love about a lot of the Korean movies that I watch, especially, you know, Bong's work and Park Chan-wook's work, um, they're very stylistic, you know, and that's yeah. that's one of the things that draws me to them. Um, whereas this movie is very clean and very straightforward. Which um, is which is kind of strange because it is supposed to be a gritty, gross zombie film, right? Yeah, yeah. There's like this hospital cleanliness about everything and maybe that's yeah more of the you know city environment culture being reflected i don't know i've never traveled to korea i'm not sure if they have like cleaner cities or stuff i know that some people have gone to other foreign cities and like oh my gosh it's so clean meanwhile Cameron and I live in the Bay Area and San Francisco is like full of trash. So, I mean, like, <laughs> I, well, I, I don't think, know. That's... I think part of it is that the, in just um, modern movies in a lot of ways, because of sort of the tech that you can get and the, you know, the way that you make movies nowadays, there's a trap that if you don't, if you don't do things that are stylistic, they'll just look very clean because everything looks clean. You know, like if you're shooting yeah. on a on an 8K camera that's, you know, digital, you could just make it look normal. You know what I mean? Like you could just make it look very ordinary, um, especially, with, you know, you're using like very professional high end lenses that have no flaws and whatever. You know, like there's there's a temptation in a lot of movies that, you know, uh, like flaws are bad things and yeah. i would say that's not even remotely true i think sometimes flaws give your movie character and i would say this movie could could have used a lot of um just i, I mean if i was if i was shooting this movie i would recommend doing something like um you know looking at uh like um, Dawn of the Dead or something like where you, you know, lo looking into how they made things stylistic in those movies and using lighting in a in an interesting way, which I guess they do um, to some extent. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I in my mind, there's a little bit of that. That was the that was a main criticism that I had of the movie it was just stylistically. It, it was very flat, um, w which, uh, you know, which is not not a big problem at all. Like it, I think it works because the rest of the filmmaking actually worked really well. Um, and, and, you know, it didn't distract me that much that like things were very clean looking, uh, just cause I was, I was interested in, in the, in the story. So. Yeah. I think being more of a casual, I can understand how most people wouldn't even notice, notice that because of the rest of the film is, is good. I think you have a craftsmanship about you, Cameron. That's like, Oh, I am thinking about the way they made it, and this is surprisingly, like, flat. Uh, I think the only reason that I noticed what you're talking about is because of the last two films that we've watched, right? Which are, like, yeah. just visually overstimulating in some regards, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, this movie kind of looks like... I, I, I mean, I hate this, to put it this way, but, like, a, a very modern... Um, hallmark movie in some ways you know it's well, like, like a like a gatorade ad or something yeah, you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah. like it's got very just like a neutral look right um which again isn't necessarily bad it's just like i 
for like a zombie movie that's kind of a, you know it's it's not really that scary so it's not really a no. horror movie it's more of a thriller but like i'd kind of want it to lean more into the into the weird side but it's okay it's not you know it's not the worst thing ever not a bad criticism necessarily so well i want to take your 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 kind of like full impression cameron of this yeah. film because it was your first viewing like we understand your critique of some of the way it's shot. What What's your major takeaway with this movie before we get into some of those topics that I was mentioning? Earlier? Yeah, I really, really liked this movie. Um, I thought it was very well put together. And I kept, I kept coming back to the fact that like a lot of times, you know, when you make a movie that, you know, like what makes a movie like uh, World War Z or like... Um, you know, something that that's kind of over the top. Uh, what makes it so disappointing for me in a lot of ways is because it it takes an interesting idea or a or a novel idea and then expands it to like the rest of the the universe, you know, and like it makes things super and and it doesn't have the scale for that. You know, it's like it's like you don't need to do that. And in my mind, like what made uh, a movie like um uh shoot what, what was the one with Emily Blunt and uh John Krasinski oh um, uh quiet place a quiet place what makes that movie so interesting is because it's a very small scale movie you know it has sort of this tight you know one location almost one location they go other places whatnot but um you know it's a very tight condensed uh setting and it kind of has this this ultimate uh uh you know there's like one purpose in in this it's like she's well you know i don't want to spoil that movie but anyways um and and what makes a movie like um night of the living dead uh so interesting or you know works so well is because they're just holed up in a house you know and like that's that's their that's their challenge um and so this movie totally leans into that and that's why it, for me, it succeeds so well because what is the the premise? Well, they're on a train and they have to get to where they're going and there's zombies on the train. Perfect. That's all you need. You don't need and like they they don't even spend that much time establishing like what happens in the other regions. You know, you don't get like the shot of like things going terrible in other places. It's like you don't need that. All you need is your one premise, hit it hard and and do it perfectly. And one of the things that was so interesting about it was they had a small premise and they fleshed out every, you know, every little bit of it. And that's what made you like lean into it. What made you interested and compelled by the characters? Um, you know, you start with the dad who's kind of, uh, you know, seems like a selfish guy and whatnot and, you know, probably is. And then he has obviously a transformation. The kid has a transformation. The the guy with the pregnant wife has a transformation. So, like, all of these elements work together to, um, to elevate something into being not, you know, like honing in on what makes – what makes the premise work, if that makes sense. Um, and so, you know, when you talk about a movie like like World War Z or whatever, like you don't need so much, like just make it local, just make it small, make something that works on on the individual level and show something about like these people's humanity. Um, you don't need like 
you don't need everything to be so, you know, uh, global or extreme or like you know ah this is the end of the world it's like we don't even know if there are other countries who are battling with this thing like in entering to busan you know if like we don't know if this is like spreading or you know go infecting other countries or whatever you know it's like this is like on a train we're just we're just here we're just on on this train you know <laughs> um and yeah. that's why it works for me so well so yeah i think what's What's frustrating when comparing this movie to like World War Z is that World War Z tries to have some of that, and I don't know why we're talking about this, but this, it's just a good like zombie movie comparison for for the sakes of discussing how this movie is successful, right? World War Z tries to implement character development and sort of like you know emotion in Brad Pitt's family and all this stuff, whatever. Right, you don't care about it, and what I find great about Train to Busan is that the character development and like kind of the heart behind each character is drip fed at the right pace, and it's effective. It's not overdone or underacted or overacted anything like that. It's it's paced well together. On top of the setting and the world around it, like you. You are getting an intimate look at the characters. Therefore, like the setting almost is a mirror to it being like an intimate setting as well, right? It kind of plays off each other. Whereas World War Z, they're trying to get intimate, but there's this massive scale and a world that's over-explained, right? I think one of the things that this movie does effectively, even though it might be conventional, is the representation of the surrounding world is almost a compelling mystery in Train to Busan, whereas in yeah. World War Z, it's like this over-explained, like, yeah, uh, Israel hasn't fallen, every other nation is destroyed. It's like, well, okay, thanks for just telling me, like, all this <laughs> this uh, like stuff that basically makes the world boring, you know, because you've already told me the state of everything. One of the exciting elements is the train is moving into cities that you don't know what's happening in them, right? Yeah. You don't know what's around the corner, and... You know, you might anticipate that some places are destroyed or not, right? But even the ending scene where they're walking down that tunnel, right? You have no idea what's what comes out on the other end of that tunnel. And you're like locked in in that final moment because you're like, yeah. what's next? Like you don't know, right? And so I think I love intimate setting movies and the ones that have like like a very intimate setting usually can be paired super well with like intimate character development. Uh, even for a film that is kind of, I guess, I don't think it's light, but it seems like the beats of the characters are clearly mapped out and, and they're not surprising, but it's like, there's still an intimacy because like everything is like tied around the train and the journey that is clear. Right. Yeah, um, well well and then at the at, on the other hand, you know, like of course everything, you know, is clearly mapped out and um I in a lot of cases I kind of prefer that to the more common tact of like uh re, you know, reversals of things and um you know, trying to be unique in your character development or whatever, you know, like there's a lot of movies that suffer from an example, you know, suffer from trying to, 
um, make things uh, unique and new and reinvent the wheel. And it's like sometimes you just need to do things correctly, you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. and this is a movie where it shines because it it hits all of the beats correctly. And like if you can't do that first, like it's kind of hard to to go off the beaten path. You know, you're just going to get lost. Um, so, you know, th this this movie is a great example of like, you, you know what it reminded me a lot of, actually? And this is funny. I, I wonder if you picked up on this. Mm. It reminded me a lot of Stagecoach. Um, and uh, w one of the reasons is because they have um, very similar uh, characters who are kind of on this one-way journey. Um, and there's all, there's like the tension obviously between the party, but like the, the elements that, that land are the same that, that kind of land in, in stagecoach where it's like, mm. it's the, it's the character elements. Um, yeah. and, and so for me like that, that was really interesting to see a movie. I don't know. I, I obviously don't know this person's history, the director's history. So I don't know if he was like, uh, you know, trying to to come up with a movie that was like stagecoach, but it really reminded me of like the classic Hollywood era where like things, things kind of work because there's a, um, there's a clear pathway of, of motivation, you know? And, and that's where the drama comes in and that's where the conflict comes in is because you all, all you understand everybody's position, you know, you understand, everybody's motivation it's like the guy with the baseball bat he's sad about his friends and he wants to get to the girl you know the the man with the pregnant uh wife he is you know trying to to act as he's thrust into a situation where he's trying to act as a sort of protector for his wife um the main dad he obviously is trying to protect his his daughter and it, in some level why it, why it works so well is cuz he's trying to prove something to his daughter too um you know he's trying to prove that he's he's worthy in in some ways um and you know so like all of these and then the obviously the the coo of the company or whatever the train company he's just in it for himself so like the tension comes from all of these moments clashing um and that's that's where the drama lies is because we have these clearly defined characters that we know that we understand that we can see kind of battle out their worldviews or their positions and that's fun that's that's what we like in in movies you know like we, we don't want to see people who we don't really know or care about or understand fight because like, what does that matter? Like, who cares? Yeah. yeah. So, like, we we want to see people who we clearly understand their motivations fight, um, because that's that's fun and interesting, um, and that's real life in a lot of ways. Well, I'd like to talk about how sort of a casual watches this movie, almost compared to someone who's more experienced like yourself, Cameron. And there's sort of like this sub experiment layer of our show with my girlfriend Jules who watches <laughs> movies with me sometimes she I mean like listen to me I call myself a casual and I do a <laughs> podcast on movies talking about what I think of them right Juliana does not want to watch movies most of the time most of the time she just has ADHD and wants to watch TV like because that's like quick and short and she can get through it so if with this film 
I only watched the first hour at my house on Monday night. And then on Tuesday night, I was hanging out with Jules and I was like, I got to watch the last half of this film. And I was like, but this is going to be very interesting to me to see if she's able to not only watch a movie with a different language, right? But be able to get involved halfway through without watching the beginning at all. And it was pretty easy to explain the beginning, right? Okay, there's a dad who's not connecting with his little daughter. He he's kind of a like he's kind of a jerk. He kind of uh, works at this corporate office. His whole life is work, and he's taking his daughter to go see his mom on the other side. Da, 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 da. There's this pregnant couple. There's this young couple, and they're trying to. Basically, we started at the point where they're trying to get across the train to save them in the bathroom, right? Yeah, that yeah. that Which middle is great section. sequence. It's a great yes. sequence. Yes, and so I was like, here's where they're trying to save. You know. The wife, the daughter, and a couple other people were stuck in this bathroom, and they're moving to the end of the train, right? So Jules is like, okay, I'm not sure about this. And we start watching it, and she's like, it's not like that gross of a zombie movie. It's very PG-13, so she, it keeps, is, thinking, it is, yeah. she keeps thinking that there's going to be like disgusting flesh. She's like, ew, I don't want to see this. I'm like, there's nothing. Trust me, it's going to be fine. So, you know, she's being scared of it, but then she starts to get really involved all the way up until the end of the film where she actually, she actually cried at the end of the movie. And I was like, wow, like you've only watched one hour of this film (laughs) and you're like, like you're so deeply moved by the ending of this movie. And I was just like, this is a massive testament to how approachable this, this film is. Totally, Totally. It's in a different language and someone who basically... Uh, I force to watch movies. It feels like can sit, and he probably it. doesn't really like you know horror movies or violent movies all exactly. that much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She doesn't like zombie movies. She doesn't like anything like that. She cried at the end of this film and was like, "That was so sad." That's what she said at the end of the movie. But she seemed <laughs> positive about it, right? Yeah. She she enjoyed it, and so I think that that is such. I don't know that to me that's a really powerful statement for uh, Korean cinema. I think it's a powerful statement for this movie, even though in some ways I feel like this film might offend true Korean cinephiles, right? Like people that are like, oh, Korean cinema, like you were explaining at the beginning of this month, it's the movies of extreme, right? Like, I think this film will get people into Korean movies. Yeah, Uh, I I can totally agree. If you want to have like Korean train night, you can watch this and then, you know, Snowpiercer, uh, Snowpiercer right? <laughs> yeah. And kind of get a small. Fan, fantastic. And I would say, you know, they, um, they, uh, uh, they are very similar. And I would say probably influenced by each other. But, you know, I, I, you just, just putting it out there. I think, I think this movie takes a lot of inspiration from previous Korean movies. Uh, in a lot of ways, so. Yeah, yeah. So I I really think that this movie is worth watching. It's approachable even for the person. I, I would say this is, this is the staple of this month if you have no interest to get into Korean movies at all. Like, or I would say if you lean more towards the casual, like this is where you would explore, right? Yeah. If you're more hardcore into movies and you're like, I don't know about Korean cinema, I would I would strongly recommend you go like check out Mother or something. So you'd get a taste of that extreme, right? And be like, whoa, this is wow, this is kind of out there. I enjoy this. Whereas if you're someone 
kind of more like myself where you're like, I don't really want to sit through a movie with subtitles, right? <laughs> like I feel like the, the subtitles fade away. This movie is really easy to get through. And I, I know Cameron, it probably bugs you for me to be giving that kind of recommendation because of how great you regard some of the other Korean films. But I think that, I think this movie is like a smack in the face to people who say like, I don't like, I only can watch like American blockbusters. Like literally if you watch Marvel movies and you're all about that, this movie is going to be right up your alley. I feel like that's pretty cool. I think that that's awesome. You know? No, I, I totally agree. And I don't, I don't, I'm not bugged by that, um, endorsement at all. And, And one of the things is like, of course, uh, something like old boy is weird and inaccessible but that's you know that's okay that's not that's not a bad thing but this movie is the the polar opposite of that where it's extremely accessible um and i and i think you're probably right that there are people who discount themselves for being able to to watch foreign movies and say uh you know it's in a different language i don't i don't think i'll uh be into it i don't think i'll be able to to get into it um but I, I just don't think that's true. And, you know, like your transformation with uh, black and white movies, <laughs> um, yeah. I think I think there's there's good there's a good ability for you to sort of ramp into these things. And mm. this is a great movie to do it. I mean, yeah. it's so, so, so accessible. Um, you know, I will say also is kind of pivoting a little bit, but this movie is weirdly um prescient when you look back on it nowadays mm. like i find it um very strange that this is still like i don't know i i guess i haven't heard anybody talk about it recently but um this is still a very loved uh movie in in normal society uh but it's very opposite of what uh the 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 times are uh at this current current juncture uh where you know we have we ha- also have a pandemic, not of zombie proportions, but, you know, of different proportions. I think this movie is, like, um, very uh, – th- uh, this is a very strange movie in a lot of ways because, um, I don't know, it talks a lot about the themes that we kind of deal with – are dealing with every day now. Um, and it's interesting to see, like, obviously, you know, Zombies have been around for a long time, so it's not like this movie predicted the future or anything. But a lot of the th- the things that it talks about and and brings up specifically, and I do want to get into some things, um, like I think it's very relevant still. Uh, you know, especially even when they're they're heading to the tr- you know they're the train is originally heading to like the Daegu station or whatever, um, and. And then they they basically have to to say like, do we trust this source essentially? Um, and it turns out no. Like you can't. You know, they're they're unable to trust the sort of official um, things that that are being said. And like, and then you know, w- once they get back to the to where the the other uh, passengers are holed up, you know, there's this inner conflict of like, we don't really trust you because we haven't seen you this whole time, you know? So like, we don't know if you're, if you're infected or not or whatever. So like the, there's like a distrust of, um, 
distrust of like authority and official sources, distrust of other people. Um, I, and I, I found it to be really, um, really, really interesting. And then the, the final thing is like, it's very centered around sort of the dynamic of bringing together one family, you know, obviously they're, you know, the train is going from, you know, he's going from the city to, to Busan, um, which I think actually Busan is where mother was shot. I'm pretty sure. Oh, um, either mother or memories of murder. One of those. Um, but, uh, you know, like, so, so he's, you know, he's a father with kind of a disillusioned family who's you know split apart. Um, and one of the major themes is sort of reuniting the, the family, reuniting the trust in, um, in the father figure, um, which I found very, uh, very unique. And I guess not something you see a lot in, in modern movies. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a kind of shocking political conversation that can come with this film in today's climate. Right. And Cameron and I are not saying anything, you know, particularly political or claiming any side, but I think it's, it's surprising how this film feels kind of relevant to the past experience of the year and what's happening with the COVID-19 virus and all that stuff. I I just want to say um, here at cinema spectator, we do trust that, um, that the East Daegu station is, uh, is still operating and is every, everything is under control. Uh, we also believe that, um, this is, uh, this, is, this is a pandemic of the, uh, of the people who just arrived. Um, so, you know, we'll, we will have to quarantine them and, uh, we, we trust the science. So keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, you know, you're not the only one thinking about this Cameron when watching this movie, actually, I searched this film because I w- I began watching it uh, in a in in a voiceover version or something. It was like free on Pluto, and like you could watch it with like English dub, and it was terrible. So I had to I had to switch to subtitles. So I ended up renting it on Amazon. But I was trying to figure out where I could watch the version with subtitles instead of dub, and. I, I was searching on Google, and one of the th- the first few questions about Train to Busan was, is this movie scary? And I was like, well, I should probably click on this because I'm not sure. Is it scary? I clicked on it, and it's like, no, not really. Uh, but in the answer to the question on Google, it's like, it's not that scary even in spite of the COVID-19 things that are happening. I'm like, when was this article written, right? And it was like 2019. And then the question below that is, should I watch train to busan while quarantining into COVID 19 <laughs> and i was like what the heck like people are really like uh considering this movie to be a commentary around that current topic right and so all the all the google questions were kind of related to that which i found surprising and then walking into the movie with that and the on the forefront of my mind right to see that scene where they're holding off zombies from coming in the door and then other survivors are holding other survivors off in in the like there's like this great you know comparison between them fighting off the undead and fighting off the people who are alive but maybe infected right yeah and there's definitely there's there's some commentary that has been that is kind of being explored and i think instead of you know 
saying if this is morally trying to make uh, make a statement about something that hasn't happened yet or uh, you know pulling what that movie is saying and applying it to our current situation and maybe misquoting it or forgetting the context i think the interesting part of this conversation is almost the i i, I don't know exactly how to explain it but it's like there is an inherent truth that was being explored before the calamity occurred, similar yeah. to how George Orwell explores elements in Fahrenheit 451 or 1984, right? With he these, didn't write I, that. That was Ray Bradbury. Sorry, sorry, who Bradbury. Wrote, um, who, who wrote Fahrenheit 451. Right, right. Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451, Orwell, 1984, right? Yeah. They explore these ideas that aren't even at the forefront of society yet, but there's something about them that we know are coming. Right. You know, like there, there's almost like this touch into the future and then the literature, quote, quote, is revisited once we're facing the these problems. It's like the warnings are laid out ahead of time. And I think as the storytelling and the conversation with the zombie apocalypse theme evolved over, you know, the, the years, especially like I would say peaking like pop culture influence and interest with The Walking Dead, right? Um, like these themes were almost prone to come about in society as as the genre was explored even more. And I, I found that to be so fascinating about this movie, how like it was able to have that conversation early only for us to be kind of in the midst of it now. What do you, I mean, what do you, what do you think, Karen? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think um, the comparison to something like 1984 is is an interesting one because there is like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not talking about something specific necessarily, but it is talking, it is hitting at some sort of um, interesting and unique truth um, that, you know, or moral uh, situation, moral truth that needs to be sort of dissected. And, and I, th you know, I think narrative is very, very good for that and very useful for that in exploring things that are, um, difficult to, to tackle in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, because you, you know, in, in this movie, obviously I think this movie is a little one-sided in terms of, uh, you know, who it portrays as the bad guys and who it portrays as the good side, good yeah, guys. Yeah. It's a very like morally black and white, but, um, you know, like obviously there's some sympathy with people who are, you know, in the, in that train car who say like, well, no, like how do we know that you're not infected? And it's true. Right, like people right. are, and, and, you know, the movie positions the, the father in that same position, you know, earlier on in the movie um, when he's, he's kind of unsure if he should let in the, the guy and his, his pregnant wife. Um, so, you know, like there, there's, there is something to that. Uh, and, and there is, there is a truth to that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there's, there's all, it's, it's dealing with things that are, um, that are, deep and uh, difficult to unpack in a lot of ways. And like I said, narrative is very, very good for that. Um, or it can be. Sometimes it can be really <laughs> terrible for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think this, this, this film comments with, with those themes 
like pretty pretty well. Um, I I was shocked to see something like that in a blockbuster with any sort of depth. And to be comparing a blockbuster film to anything like 1984 is probably sacrilegious to any English teacher. But I... And it's not a comparison necessarily. We're no, not saying no, no. like this is 1984, but like we're saying that that it tackles things that are prescient and on the minds of of people before they happen. So yes, yes, yeah. So I I think it's a cool aspect of this film to pull apart if you've already seen it or to go back and visit it and kind of explore it and see the moral position that they're that the filmmakers taking almost before all of society begins having the conversation, which I think is, I, I don't know. Like to me, creatives have like true innovative creatives have a way of being ahead of the curve almost on accident. Yeah. And I think it's, it's awesome to, to go back and witness them hitting a gold mine without knowing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and this one would be just kind of a conversation around, um, I guess I, I don't know. I don't even know how to, how to really <laughs> unpack it, but, um, yeah, it's Cameron and I obviously like talked before recording this episode and be like, do we really want to get into this or mention it? And we're not like, we're not trying to offend anyone or anything like that, but I do think it is a, a great aspect of the film to kind of chew on and ponder and be retrospective on and how they even came up with with that idea to explore before it was at the forefront. It's just neat to, to consider, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, and I, I, I do want to say, um, I guess before, like spoilers before we, uh, before this last section. Um, cause I, I do want to talk a little bit about the ending, which I think is very, very good and very, very powerful. Uh, so spoiler warning, um, uh, the dad does. So, uh, oh, <laughs> spoilers. Oh, oh. Um, You're welcome, Tim. That's what he likes to hear. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so uh, I think the end sequence uh, from just I think maybe like from them running, you know, trying to find the other train uh, to, to you know, them e- exiting in the tunnel. Um, it's so, so well done. And it's so excellent. Um, and I think the... Um, you know, like like you were saying, like Jules uh, cried because it's it's very impactful, and I would say it's even more impactful when you know the the sort of um, you know what what happens before that and the trajectory of the dad as someone who obviously you know I think you can see that the movie is positioning him to be. Um, <sighs> In a in a place where he's he's sra- sacrificing in order to um, to provide for his daughter, but he's giving up too much, right? You know, he's giving up too much of his time, and he's not he's not seeing his daughter grow. He's not connected with her. Um, and the mom says, like, you know, this is a crucial period for her too. You know, and so like he's giving this. He's sort of stuck between, you know, wanting to to be the provider, wanting to be successful, um, and then at the same time being, uh, you know, unable to pull himself away to to spend time with his family. And then by the end, obviously, and she she's the one who wants to leave in the beginning. You know, she wants to 
to go back to her mom and she, you know, that's what she wants for her birthday. And there's a sequence in the, there's a part in the middle where he's like, I'm going to like, it's your birthday. I'm going to get you to your mom. Like no matter what, like that's what I'm going to do. And then it comes from that little moment that they have in the car, which I think is really interesting and comes back throughout the movie, which is, he says like always, you know, always finish what you started. Um, which in some ways is his main hypocrisy, which is that he doesn't, he he's, he's not finishing the family that he started. You know, he's not, yeah. he's not, he's not being there for them. So, um, you know, he, but in the end, obviously it saves the girl. That's the advice that, that kind of saves her is she finished what she started, um, at the recital. And so like, there's, there's all these elements of, of like the family that are being dissected in this movie that I think is so good and so true um, that I I just you know it it was very impactful emotionally for me too it, you know it was it was something that I really connected with and I thought um, was so well done and so well tied into the rest of the movie which is why it was such a good conclusion I guess. Yeah, so. I really, I really like the interaction between the dad and the other dad of the pregnant uh, yeah. lady. It's like just dads being dads in the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. I don't know, like their 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 interaction is is competitive, very masculine. There's that great line from the other dad where he says, "It's just being a dad, right? All the work and none of the credit, right?" He says mm -hmm. that like in the bathroom stall. And meanwhile, there's also like a young boy in there who's trying his best to survive in that moment. Um, I found that their connection, their interaction, their teamwork in the middle part of the movie is is great. Um, it was surprising to be watching a zombie film where these characters that have emotional pull were not getting picked off like at a, a consistent pace. The ending of the film and the deaths of those characters happens pretty suddenly with that businessman character just ruining everything right? yeah <laughs> uh the the ending is is kind of epic because of how rapid characters are dropping like flies in that um r.i.p to the train the train driver. man he's my fave he was like probably my favorite uh <laughs> probably my favorite uh character of the movie actually well oh, i yeah. love i love him because there's something again very um very interesting about the fact that he's in the apocalypse and he is still doing his job. Like that's yeah. him. That's yeah, what he's, he's doing. He's a true like public servant. It's like yeah, to the yeah, very yeah. end, his last moment is to drive the trains. And I'm like, boy, this guy just, I mean, if you've ever met a train person, you'll know that that's how they want to <laughs> die. You know, I, I would know. Okay. But like, I he's work... still like putting, putting announcements over the intercom. I like know. it's a normal yeah. thing. Like it's so, it's so awesome. Like he's, he's such a good character as like the world is crumbling around him and he's like, well, I got to do my job. Like we're going to transfer at this stop and you know, please get over to the leftmost track. You know, let me, <laughs> like, let me yes, just... awesome. <laughs> In my high school years, I worked for this uh, local railroad uh, called Billy Jones Wildcat Railroad. It's a tiny, stupid little train <laughs> that goes around the park, okay? 
but it has so much pull. Like people who live in that town absolutely love it. The kids love it. It's like the one of the one of seven small steam engines in the world or something. Like I guess steam engines are all of them are big, but only a few exist that are small. And uh, Walt Disney has one. And Walt Disney has ties to this park that we used to open the park and they say, we're competing with Disneyland today. I'm like, please, this is like, (laughs) I mean, people pay hundreds of dollars to go to Disneyland. People pay like four bucks to go on the train and the carousel here. So um, anyways, the train people that work there considered it Disneyland to be there. Like these guys were like, I drive trains and that's it. That's my only character train. (laughs) So the fact that this guy in the zombie apocalypse was like, I'm going to just keep driving trains. I was like, totally makes sense. You can even see a little bit of excitement when he's going after the other train engines. Those are, <laughs> I think the like, you know, he's like, oh, I got to find a, you know, I got to find another train because my, my super train is slow, but so I'm going to take one of these big diesel engines. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, I thought he was just very endearing. Uh, he's got, I, I, uh, I don't know. I was so bummed out when he died. Yeah, me <laughs> At too. And I was like, not the train guy, you know, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this movie's really fun. I, I feel like it's it's an easy recommendation, Cameron. Do you want to get into it? We rate movies on a scale for everyone, for casuals, for the curious, and for the cinephiles. This I I don't know. I think this is probably the first foreign film that I'm punching for everyone on. Is that right? It might yeah. be. I think you might have said went back and forth with Mother. Uh, yeah, Mother. I think I landed for the casuals. Um, yeah, it was pretty close with that one, but this one is clearly for everyone. I think. Yeah, I to- I hundred percent agree. The fact that Jules cried, like that, should prove to anybody. Like this. Yeah, it's this true. movie can't <laughs> take movie- my word for it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie just connects, and like, there's it's it works really well. Like, I don't. There's nothing else to say other than it. It's a it's a movie, you know, like other so many great classics that has a precise premise uh, that fulfills and fleshes everything out and is like I think it's like less than two hours, maybe like hour 40, hour 45. I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so so consumable. And like if your only hiccup is you don't like reading, like, come on. Yeah, come on it's it's Just not that watch, it's not that bad it's not that you bad. can watch the movie without reading at all and probably yeah, it's understand true. it yeah it's true so yeah i think i think that wraps up the conversation on train to busan big hollywood blockbuster style korean film i think you should watch it that's what i think me too i don't really have much else to say cameron i think we can wrap it up you feel good about it yeah it's pretty awesome like i'm i'm happy i i got around to it um you know I think, I think next week is going to be an interesting conversation. We're going to tackle Parasite, um, mm. and that's another one, big, huge, huge movie. Um, and then for our final, uh, we're going to do something on the patron. Uh, we're going to do an an extra movie, uh, and that'll be fun too. So, um, hopefully, you know, I Isaac, I do have both Parasite and the other movie that we're going to watch on Blu-ray. Uh, so I don't know if you. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it. But uh, okay. if you if you want to get it on Blu-ray, I I mean I have it. So cool, awesome. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We post every Monday for now. 
and you can uh, you, you can listen uh, if you enjoyed this episode. There's a bunch of other episodes. You can explore Korean Cinema Month for the last two episodes, a bunch of other themes in the past episodes. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Give us a rating, tell friends and family. All that stuff helps. We will see you next Monday. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill and Tim Smith for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support. Music.